Hello, good morning. My name is Benjamin Power Griffin. For those who do not know me yet, I shouldn't be surprised. My wife and I started regularly attending not too long before the pandemic, and due to our own health and work concerns, have been regular attendees online. Quite gratefully so, I must add. It has been a fantastic ministry, one that my in-laws up in Bedford also benefit from. Good morning, Rich. Good morning, Chris. We are excited to be back in person, and of course we hope to meet more of you soon. Uh, as you might know, I have recently been elected to serve on the vestry of this remarkable community, and I greatly look forward to serving alongside you all in the years to come. I received open heart surgery towards the beginning of the pandemic. And to be perfectly honest, it has more or less affected everything I've done ever since. While the fact that it occurred during such a monumental event certainly exacerbated the weight of this experience, I think it's safe to say that it would have been life altering regardless of when it had taken place. Of the many repercussions of this experience, one has stood out as particularly positive. I have become fixated on the spiritual symbology of the heart. During my initial healing process, I began an art project, one that I hope to share with reconciliation soon. I did this as a way to ground myself, both physically as well as spiritually, as I healed in relative isolation. With this practice, I began exploring various heart motifs, almost all of which were in some way inspired by the image of the Sacred Heart. Although I had not grown up with this image, having grown up a Baptist, and had never felt particularly called to it before, it shouldn't come as a surprise that, once my heart condition had become known, the idea of contemplating the heart of Christ became particularly appealing. The Sacred Heart is a remarkable symbol. The crown of thorns enveloping the heart, representing the difficulty of Christ's mission in the world, the blood pouring forth from where it was pierced, representing his sacrifice, and yet the, the fire of the Holy Spirit issuing out from deep within it, representing the loving fidelity by which he pursued his ministry and with which the passion was performed. In this deceptively simple image, there rests quite the fertile ground for contemplation. And that's exactly what I needed at the time. In all major life events, one is confronted with the need to reconsider all that one truly holds dear. And I needed to contemplate what my heart, now healed and healthy, was made for. In the Sacred Heart, I could contemplate the very archetype of all hearts. The heart of the firstborn of the dead, the heart of our King and salvation, the heart of the very image in which we were created, and toward which we are called to become. Of course, in this reordering of priorities, I first had to be confronted with the truth that Jeremiah so bluntly offers us today, that the heart is devious above all else. How could I come to understand it? As you might imagine, I sat with a fair amount of anxiety during this process. I desperately wanted to be a tree planted firmly with roots by a stream, but quite often felt like a shrub wilting in the hot desert sun. 
Looking back, I can see that this was in large part due to the fact that I harbored a lot of anger about how things were unfolding out there, politically as well as culturally. I often judged my neighbor's behavior with self-righteousness and vain certainty that I knew what others should be doing. And I worried endlessly about how our world would survive all that it was being put through. But the more that I contemplated the Sacred Heart and my heart's own healing, the more convicted I became that my concerns were misplaced. No matter how lofty my thoughts were about the symbolism of the Sacred Heart, and no matter how thoroughly researched and deeply felt all of my internet rants were, I remained trapped inside and not outside with Christ. Today, in Luke, we are instructed to understand exactly where the heart of Christ lies. We all know how radical Christ's message is. The church glories in the fact that Christ comes not as a rich and powerful ruler, but as a servant and as a sacrifice. How remarkable is this kingdom in reverse? But, let's be honest here, how terribly difficult it can be to reorient ourselves towards it. Known as the Sermon on the Plains, this moment in Christ's ministry sits in remarkable juxtaposition to Matthew's Sermon on the Mount. Whereas Christ's litany of blessings and warnings in Matthew come from a place of instruction, coming quite literally from on high, above the crowd where he is teaching, Christ's message today spread not by instruction, but first through service. Here we find Christ literally amongst the people, on even ground and already deep within the crowd. Before he even begins to speak, he is busy going about the business of healing, through the communication of touch, of presence, as his power spreads out amongst those in need. It is only after this that he contextualizes his healing, this healing, to his disciples. We might be inclined to think about this passage in terms of the makeup of the kingdom, the promise of God's good news fulfilled in those back. But today I want to instead think about who it is convicting and what it is possibly convicting in us. When we look at the list of who receives Christ's woe, what strikes me is the fact that each one of us or each one is holding on to something rather than offering it up. The rich do not share their reward with the poor. The full do not share their food with the hungry. And I believe this one is particularly important considering what we've been through the last few years. Those who laugh do so without regard to those who mourn. Jeremiah tells us that God will search our hearts and know the fruit of their ways, while Christ here plainly demonstrates which way he calls the heart to go. What does it mean to be defamed and reviled on account of the Son of Man, if not to be fully aware of the wealth of resources one possess, possesses and to live a life of giving them all away? The heart, though, excuse me, the world and our hearts would often rather us build up our own kingdoms to secure our lives on our own terms and for our own benefit, and it does not wish to be reminded of the condemnation that is the only reward of selfish ambition. Which can be tough news to hear. 
As Dominican theologian Simon Tugwell puts it in his book, Ways of Imperfection, Christianity has to be disappointing, precisely because it is not a mechanism for accomplishing our human ambitions and aspirations. It is a mechanism for subjecting all things to the will of God. Today's gospel reveals that while we may want to keep aspirations in our grasp, God's will is let loose out and in the crowd. Once I was healed and more or less ready to re-enter the world, I felt a call on my heart to go and serve those who suffered in mind and body. Entering into hospice volunteer work as well as work as a physical care attendant, I have been trying to truly learn the lessons that my time with the Sacred Heart has taught me. These lessons truly came into sharp clarity this past week. I had spent a day observing various theological and political factions amongst friends wage war with one another online, discounting one another's experiences and demeaning each other's convictions all for a few likes from their side. To be honest, the whole thing broke my heart. I woke up the next morning thinking about how cruelly and unnecessarily the situation had unfolded and went to a gentleman's house to bathe and dress him for the day. This is a man who I have come to realize that I have many disagreements with, theologically as well as politically. In those moments of tenderness and care, however, I could not for the life of me imagine what difference they made. As I finished putting on his shirt for the morning, with gratitude he thanked me and began to pray over our time together. Afterwards, we sat in grateful silence as the obvious presence of the Spirit held the moment. My point is this. We cannot claim the kingdom for ourselves. We cannot, I cannot tell you what shape it should take and ultimately who should be allowed to enter it. But I do know this. We can, with every gift that we have at our disposal, go about the work that Christ has set up before us to be present to others in their suffering and in their need. Our hearts may often try to deceive us, but Christ's heart is faithfully set upon one thing, and it is found out in the crowd and in the love of your neighbor. Amen.